you. It may just happen that we have a Christmas carol lingering after December 25th. We'll have to see what the worship team has. I'm just so grateful for God's love, aren't you? For his presence and for the peace and the joy that he gives. It's such a blessing um, to have that as part of our life. Um, for those of you who are new, we've been in a series on the book of James, and we're detouring because of the Christmas Advent season, so we'll be picking that up again after the new year, so I encourage you to um, check us out online, vffc.org, or on Facebook. We have lots of ways for you to connect with us and, and look forward to that. Um, also, in your bulletin, there's a connect card that you can tear off the side if you'd like to give us any information. We'd love to connect with you deeper in that way as well. And just excited to share about the, the message of love this morning. If you saw the video before the service started, um, there was a, a video talking about God's love. There's a survey done years ago, kind of unusual, but it fit my sermon perfectly, almost like the survey was written just for my sermon. But the survey asked participants, if you were asked one question, it would be this, what three-word sentence would you like most to hear or have said to you? And the top three responses were, I love you, I forgive you, or dinner is ready. (laughs) And... I'm sure that one of those three or maybe more rang true for each of us. Sometimes we feel the love when dinner is served. We definitely feel love when we've forgiven. God has come to provide the feast completely for each and every one of us out of his great love. Ted is going to stand now and read our scripture this morning. You'll see it on the screen as well. Isaiah 63, 7 through 9. I will tell of the kindness of the Lord, the deeds which for which he is to be praised, according to all the Lord he has done for us. Yes, the many good things he has done for the house of Israel. According to his compassion and many kindness, he said, Surely they are my people, sons who will not be false to me, And so he became their savior. In all their distress, he too was distressed. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of the old. Aren't you grateful in verse 3? It says, and the angel of his presence saved them. What a beautiful truth this passage carries. I've been dealing with a cough for a couple weeks now, and I was talking to my daughter yesterday about it, and she's like, Dad, how are you going to preach tomorrow? And I was like, well, God always finds a way, but I might just lean towards my shortest sermon ever. And she was like, how often are you going to do that? I'm not sure what she was trying to say um, by asking that question, but we're going to give it a shot today and and trust the Lord for his strength. Years ago, there was a ministry to an orphanage, and they went to the orphanage to tell the Christmas story. Told them how there's no room from the inn, and they went to a stable, and Jesus was born in swaddling clothes wrapped in a manger. And they, they told these orphans the Christmas story for the first time in their life. They heard about the gospel of how Jesus came to be born as a child, as a baby in a manger. They also bought kind of rough crafts for this area, but they brought enough crafts for the kids to try to construct some kind of manger scene based on the story that they had heard. And so the orphans got busy assembling their manger scenes, and, and the missionary leader walked amongst the children as they began to, to design their creations. And, 
Everything was looking well until he went to Misha's table where he sat. He looked to be about six years old, and he'd already finished his major product, uh, product, even though all the other kids were still working on theirs. And he looked at the little boy's manger scene. He was startled to see not one baby's lying in the manger, but two. He quickly called for a translator to come over and explain to him what, was, what he was thinking and what was going on, and, and the child began to repeat his story. And he, he started at the beginning. He, he repeated the gospel message he'd heard for the first time. And the only thing that he messed up was that he called Mary Marie instead of Marion. But, but he, he very succinctly remembered within just a few minutes the major parts of the Christmas story until he came to the part where Mary put baby Jesus in a manger. And the missionary wrote that Misha, the young child, began to ad-lib it from there. He made up the own, his own ending to the story, and he said, when Maria laid the baby in the manger, Jesus looked at me and asked if I had a place to stay. Now remember, they're in an orphanage. Jesus asked me if I had a place to stay. I told him, I have no mom and I have no dad, so I have no place to live. And Jesus told me I could come and stay with him. But I told him I couldn't because... Like all the others, I had no gifts to bring to him, like everyone else had. But I wanted to stay with Jesus so much. So I thought and I prayed about what I had that maybe I, poor, lonely me, could use for a gift. And I thought that maybe if I kept him warm, that would be a good gift. And Jesus told me, the little boy said, if you keep me warm, that will be the best gift that anyone has ever given me. So I got into the manger, the reason there's two babies. And Jesus looked at me and told me that I could stay with him for always. As little Misha finished his story, his eyes brimmed full of tears that splashed down his little cheeks. And putting his hand over his face, his head dropped to the table and his shoulders shook as he sobbed and sobbed. The little orphan had found someone who had never abandoned him, someone who would stay with him forever. And for always, this young orphan child found in the gospel Christmas story love that had touched his heart and forever would touch his life. This is the Sunday in Advent where we talk about love. We talk about Jesus' love brought to us, and in his own way, he brings his story to Misha like he brings it to us, and he speaks to us in different ways. But in this passage in Isaiah chapter 63, there are three ways that we want to point out to you this morning of ways that God has come to reveal his love to us, show his love to us, and we're going to do this with the Lord's help before we get into a coughing spell. But one of the things that we see in this passage is that God came and he lavished his love on us despite our own unworthiness. Despite our own unworthiness. God has come to show his kindness to us. If you know anything about the story of the nation of the history of Israel, these were not a perfect people. Time and time again, God would rescue them and bring miracles and do wonders that would deliver them and cause anyone who had eyes to see or ears to hear to wonder and marvel at the incredible miracles and power of Israel's God. But as soon as things turned sour, as soon as the weather turned, or the water stopped flowing, or the manna stopped falling, or whatever it might be, they quickly cried out, where, God, are you now? 
Or when things didn't go quite the right way, they decided to build God's image into a calf. And that never goes well when we try to make God into our own image. Isaiah chapter 53 says it this way, we are all like sheep have wandered off from God's field and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, all gone our own way. But God, even though we strayed and continue to stray, has piled all of our sins, everything we have ever done or will do, upon Jesus. And he still loves us and comes to save us from our own sins. He not only wants to be the one who keeps us warm, he not only wants to come and be the one who loves us, but he wants to be the one who comes despite what you and I may have ever thought, said, or done, and to love us with a pure, everlasting love. I think Misha felt about as unworthy of love as anyone could have ever felt. No possessions, no family, no gifts, literally nothing but the clothes on his back to offer anyone. And who did Jesus come to? The one who deemed themselves the most unworthy. The one who believed in their heart completely that they had nothing to offer God. There was nothing that they had within them or without them would would mean anything to God. And still Jesus slips into our life and says, all that really matters is your heart. And I'm going to come on, and the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. While we were in the middle of our rebellion, while we were at our worst, while and maybe still, though we have nothing really on the outside or the inside to meet God's equality, to impress God at any notion, it isn't about what we have. It isn't about what we don't have. It is that we breathe. It is that he sent his son to die on the cross so that whoever would use that, even him, would know his incredible love, not just on this earth, but on the next and have everlasting life. And despite our own unworthiness, Jesus came and took on us the iniquities, on him the iniquities of us all, and was willing to come as a child wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. I, I, I'm like, I can't fit a sermon about that into my series. I want to so bad. What it means, what it can mean to us to think of the fact that Jesus didn't come in a palace on a stallion, with an army. He came to us weak and helpless and needy, dependent upon others, just like we are. He came, he came into the world just like you and I did. But he left this world in quite a different way, obtaining and purchasing our own salvation by his blood. Despite all our own unworthiness, Jesus loves us and he continues to love us. Secondly, we see in this passage that Jesus comes to us in the middle of our troubles. I read somewhere, make sure if you preach on this passage to differentiate the fact that Jesus doesn't cause our troubles because sometimes it's a temptation for us to blame our problems and our difficulties and and our anxiety on God. What this passage is saying is that in the middle of all of the things that we're facing, Jesus comes to us. It says in in verse 9 of the passage that Ted read for us, in all their distresses, he too was distressed. An angel of his presence saved them. And in his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and he carried them. Just like the days of old. Aren't you glad that God comes to carry us? 
Aren't you glad that he holds you when you feel like there's nothing to hold on to? Aren't you glad for the strength that the Holy Spirit gives us that when we don't know the answers, <clears throat> when we can't see tomorrow, when everything seems black and dark and scary and unknown for us, that we have a rock to cling to. We have a Savior who holds us. We have a Redeemer who is there for us. And even though when we feel like we can go nowhere and do nothing right, he is still there with us. The Bible says, even though you walk through the fire, I will be with you. Any of you walking through the fire today? Not one of you, a couple of you. The rest of you, uh, I know it's happening, whether you want to raise your hand or not. (laughs) How many of you feel like you're going through the water and it's about ready to overwhelm you? Time and time again, Jesus says, I am there, and it will not be, it will not overwhelm you. He comes to us in our troubles and our distresses. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4 says, Surely he took up our infirmities and he carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. He just didn't come to help us feel better when things were going wrong. He came so we could cast our burdens and our cares upon him. I've preached about this passage before, and what that means is a lot of times life is like a heavy-weighted-down backpack. <clears throat> I was hoping that's where you were going, brother. Thank you so much. The Bible says bring someone a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. You're a good man. And you're an Oregon Ducks fan, so you got the whole package. I'm sorry, did somebody say something back there? Sometimes what you and I are going through can feel like a a backpack that is just full of heavy rocks. Matthew talks about a millstone being hung around our neck in a different kind of context, but life can feel that way. It's like something that's strapped around you that that is all you can do to go forward because of the weight and the burden that that is just dragging you down. And the Bible says Jesus didn't come along to help us feel a little bit stronger to carry that, continue. It says that he came so that we could just Take off the lay it at his feet and give it to him and say, Lord, I can't do this anymore and you have come in order that I won't have to. Do it on my own. Years ago, there was a North Dakota blizzard howling. A call at Dr. Thompson's office late one night, about nine o'clock at night. It was already dark outside. Man on the other end of the phone says, can you come out to my place? My boy's really sick. He's got a super high fever. He's already unconscious, and, and I'm really worried about him. Do you think you can make it out to us in the middle of this blizzard? The doctor said, I'm kind of new around here. I've never seen a storm like this. I'll do my best. It's way out of town, and sorry for the reference in the sermon, but he stopped at the local bar because that's where everybody was on a cold night, and he asked three of the men inside to go with him to help shovel the path. <coughs> About halfway to the boy's house, they became exhausted because of the drifts were getting so deep. And the doctor left the men in his car and found a horse to continue on out to the boy's house. The boy was so sick, the doctor knew if he didn't get to him and get him to the hospital, he might not even live through the night. (coughs) He called the county commissioner and said, I'm not sure what I can do for you, doctor, but I'll try. By sunrise, the doctor got his patient down to the main road. He, he made it to the boy's house. He cared for him. <coughs> he gave him some medicine to kind of stabilize him. And 
He had no idea how he would get back through town that he just barely survived getting through and then on to the hospital on the other end of town. But as he came down the driveway of the sick boy's home, to surprise, his car was there waiting for him, running, and the heater's on. And the road all the way through town had been cleared. And the doctor called the commissioner and said, Ed, thank you so much. I, I'm, I'm speechless. And he said, I didn't have anything to do with it. The doctor's like, well, then what happened? Who was responsible for all that work? And the commissioner said, well, in our small town, when there's an emergency call, it goes to the party line. So everyone who's anyone gets that call at the same time. <coughs> so Joe and Bob and Ted and Ed and Sam all heard that call and knew something must be wrong. So every able-bodied man and boy along that road went to work all night long shoveling snow. We all live out here in God's wide-open country where the coyotes howl and the wind blows free. And when anybody's in trouble, we all pitch in to help. We call it putting love on the line. And that's what Jesus did for us by coming into this world when there was no way we could pave a path to salvation or to peace or to forgiveness or hope by any means on our own. Jesus came and he laid his life and he laid love on the line so that by his grace and by his sacrifice, you and I could know his peace and love. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 and 8 says, Just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, he died for us. Aren't you grateful this morning that he put love on the line for you? Third and lastly this morning, we see Jesus' love revealed to us because he came to us in person. He came into the world, our world, himself. He didn't send a substitute into his place. He didn't send one of his powerful angels to do all of his bidding you know, maybe he'd have to die on the cross instead of Jesus. God came into our life, and he came into our life to stay. And as long as we let him, like that little orphan boy, Misha, crawl up in the manger with him, he'll stay there forever. He promised in the Bible he would never leave us or forsake us. But for some in Christianity, it seems like Jesus has. Sometimes for some of us, it feels like God is far away. And it's so much work just to struggle through the life that God is leading us past. But the Bible says that Jesus came just as you and I were, to feel our infirmities, to understand our iniquities, to know our sufferings firsthand. Years ago, there was a priest that was living literally in the same housing complex as his parishioners, and across Town, there was a, a really poor section of town. It, it literally was a dump. And the people on that side of town lived in the dump. They got their breakfast out of the trash heap. If they got a snack, they dug through the trash just to survive. It was a huge town filled with many people. <laughs> well, as a good congregation did, they felt led to minister to this group. So they got together in their nice, warm, clean church fellowship hall and sanctuary and bagged up lunches and bagged up gifts to go out to the dump heap and give these gifts to these people and then turn around and leave. And they didn't really seem to be building any kind of relationship. There really wasn't the kind of connection that the congregation was longing for. 
And so they decided one day, instead of bringing all of their goods to give to them something they would probably never be able to afford on their own, they decided to go and help these people dig for their own trash meal. They went side by side with the dump people, digging through the trash. And it didn't take very long in that dirty, stinky, filthy place to become brothers and sisters to them. At the risk of getting tuberculosis and other diseases and having to endure an unbearable smell and indignity of a work that they would have never imagined God would have called them to be a part of, they became a part of the dump family. And they found that these people responded to their kindness over time. Many of the people gave their hearts to Christ because someone had come into the middle of their mess just as they were and loved them just as they found them. As always happens in ministries like that, the church members found their own lives were changed by what they saw God doing in their lives and through the lives of the people they ministered to. The Bible says in the message that he came to dwell among us, or differently, the word became flesh and blood, and he moved into our neighborhood. That's what Jesus did for you and I. He became a child, and he moved into Bethlehem. But he's just not in Bethlehem. He's on 54th Avenue. He's on 1st Street. He's on 6th 6th Avenue. He's on 65th Avenue. Whatever your address is, he's come to be there with you. And we need him more in our neighborhood than ever before. And I wonder sometimes, with a God who loves us so much that he came to love us despite our own unworthiness, a God who came to love and touch and to minister to our needs in the middle of all of our troubles, not just wanting to help us to feel better, but to literally carry our burdens and our troubles for us. If sometimes... Our struggle as human beings in our busy life is when Jesus comes walking down our neighborhood street, we can't discern him from the vacuum salesman. Anybody have a vacuum salesman come to your house? What's the catch? What's the trick? What's it going to cost me? How long is this going to last? When is it going to break down? I don't sure I have enough to afford this. And we quickly become like little Misha. All the reasons why we couldn't, shouldn't, wouldn't, can't, might never. And the Bible gospel is really, really simple. Jesus came as a young child, defenseless, alone, helpless, weak. to help us to realize that that's how we come into the world and how many of us even now feel sometimes in our own life. But the Bible says Jesus grew up into a man, a perfect man who died on the cross and willingly gave his life for you and I so that we could have forgiveness, we could have purpose, we could have passion, and God could show us his plan for our life. And it is out of his great love that he came. And this morning, as we sang those songs together, it was just a reminder to me (coughs) that we sang about a holy night years ago. But as we sang a holy night together this morning, the Lord said to me, every day is because I am here. It's that we celebrate a day many, many years ago, but the fact of the matter is is that Jesus still walks to the trash. 
he still goes to the dump families and he gets down and dirty right where we are and he meets us in our greatest area of need, that place where no one else is willing to go. Maybe we don't even want to go there. Jesus comes as a meek and lowly child to meet us right in that place, just as we are. And we know that he came to touch and transform each of our lives. Aren't you glad that he came this morning? Aren't you glad that he loves you? When I first read that story of little Misha and two babies in the manger, I laughed and then I read the rest of the story and then I cried. And I've been thinking to myself this week, Lord, maybe that's a good prayer for me. (coughs) You see, my, my manger has to be just right. It has to be according to my definitions and when something doesn't go right, it messes my manger up. Because of all the things that I have, all the processions that I have, but for Misha, it was just, all that mattered was Jesus. As all that mattered to him was having Jesus a part of his life. What a simple faith he had. All that matters is to having all of Jesus, all of the time, for always. And he knew that though he may lack a human family and a human mom and dad, he had a heavenly father that would, would fill his heart with love and that would never end. What a beautiful message for us at Christmas. Jesus has come to fill our heart with love and a love that will never end. Will you stand and we'll close in a word of prayer. Lord, maybe the prayer we need to pray is a lot like Misha's prayer. Lord, I'm not sure I have a whole lot to offer you today except for my mistakes, except for my weaknesses, except for my past, except for all the things that I see in my life that aren't right. Be really easy for us, Lord, to just say another time, a different day. Or, Lord, give us the faith of that little boy so many years ago in that foreign land who had nothing and had no one and realized for the first time in his life that Jesus was the only thing that would ever satisfy. Jesus was the only one who could love him the way he needed to be loved. Jesus was the only one who could promise him a future that no one could take away. No one would walk away from him. God would always be there. Every morning when he woke up, his Savior would be there for him. Every night when he went to bed, his Father would tuck him in. And Lord, what a beautiful picture that kind of love is for each and every one of us. And may we live, Lord, close to the manger and close to you. And we'll forever praise you for your love. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Because of potluck this morning, there is no coffee and